Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right. Welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson. today. Thank you so much for joining us today on this wonderful, wonderful Monday. We're doing a live show today, so we're live on WYSL until 1 p.m. Give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We're also down the line, too, over at WACK out in Newark. And, of course, streaming live online as well. The Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the Free Solution group, and the Kevin Wilson pages, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all engaging in the discussion today. Got a couple different topics to talk about. Uh, bail reform, getting some press lately, so I want to talk about that turning into a campaign issue. And you know, someone brought it up on Friday's show. I think Sean brought it up on on, on Friday's show. Sean Hannon, you know, looking into the the uh, metabiota stuff with Hunter Biden, whether or not he was investing in in Ukrainian bio labs, and we'll go over kind of what's true. What's maybe less true, you know, and and where everyone is spinning this for their own political needs, because there's with one of these stories, with it being sensational, with people only knowing little bits of it, it, it's pretty easy for Republicans, Democrats, Russians, whoever to spin this to meet their needs. So we'll we'll try to sort through all that stuff uh, if we end up getting to it (coughs) on this show. But first, I want to talk about I want to talk about bail reform stuff because, well, you know, we. It is campaign season. We're we're seeing Democrats and Republicans shift their values, change their policy positions, and do whatever they can to fit into uh, whatever mold they feel they need to fit into in order to win elections. All right, we're seeing this, something similar with, with, with Kathy Hochul, who's starting to maybe say, well, maybe we should uh, – Look at some changes to the bail reform laws. She's seeing some pressure there. And part of that pressure is driven by uh, a rise in crime in New York State because we have seen rush. I've talked about it on the show before. You know, normally, you know, I see a rise in crime with stuff, or I hear people talking about rise in crime. And a lot, for most of the last 20 years, it hasn't been true. But the last couple of years, there has been. An actual rise in crime. There's been more violence, and 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 more petty crime too. Smaller crimes too. More theft. More more property damage. More everything. It's kind of gone up across the board. You know, is it related to COVID? Is it related to bail reform? What what is that related to? The bail reform laws ended up happening in 2019, going actually uh, getting implemented uh, a couple years later. Well, in 2020, and we're starting to evaluate the effects of that. So, so for many of the folks listening, I know, you know, I've gotten calls about this when I talk about it before. For many of the folks listening, that the criticism goes like this, right? That the bail reform laws mean that people are getting released when they're going to commit some sort of crime, whether it's drug crime, theft crime, things like that, 
uh, the getting released and then going out and committing further crimes because there's no way to be able to detain folks who may be dangerous. And this one small crime is a way to cut off someone from going on a dangerous crime spree, right? So if someone is stealing a, uh, let's say, a video game from a store, right? Like they, they might, prior to this law, get set cash bail. And maybe they make it, maybe they don't. But the, the criticism of the law is, okay, well, now they're just getting an appearance ticket, told to show up to court on another day, they get out. Um, and, and I saw this comment come in from Rich Patel, too, which, you know, he's, he's been a guest on the show several times. Rich Patel says, hey, uh, in rare instances, judge, judges should remand dangerous people, but otherwise we need uh, ROR. I don't know. Uh, cash bail is being used for punishment instead of flight risk. Get rid of it entirely. And Rich brings up a, a, a great point here, right? So. This is this is the criticism. This is how people think cash bail works, right? Is that when someone commits a crime, okay, well, we want to hold them, so that's what we need bail for. That's not what bail is actually supposed to do, though, right? What what bail is supposed to do is ensure that you show up for your court date. It's it's like you put a deposit on showing up for court. You know, it's I'm I'm kind of glossing over. You know some stuff that goes associated with it. I won't go into like bail and bond and all that stuff. But but in a nutshell, it's I want you to show up to court, so we're going to put bail there, and so you don't lose that money, or bail bondsman doesn't lose uh, that money. Then that makes sure that you show up to court, right? The problem is is that if you're not able to make that bail. If you're not able to pay whatever fee that is, $500,000, $5,000, whatever it is, you remain detained. You remain in jail. And this was something that was happening to a lot of folks who – and continues to happen in some ways. But something happened to a lot of folks who just couldn't afford that. So if you get caught for petty theft, you have no money, you end up sitting in jail for weeks and sometimes months because you can't pay that fee. Whereas if you were wealthier and you could get someone to pay that bail on your behalf or you could pay it, pay it you get out. So you end up with this uh, criminal justice system where people who don't have money end up staying in jail even if they've only been accused of a crime and may or may not have actually committed that crime. And you contrast that with again, richer folks who have been accused of a crime. And they're able to pay that money and get out until the trial proves their guilt or or the, if the, the attorneys aren't able, the, the DAs aren't able to uh, prove their guilt, then they get released. But in the meantime, they're free. So what happens if you have a job and you're not able to make bail and you are sitting in, in county in the county jail for a week, two weeks, whatever, until you or your family scrape together the money to get you out? Do you lose your job? Do you, do you miss other important appointments? Who takes care of your kids? So this is the problem that bail reform was trying to solve. It's it's this. And and, and I agree with that intent. Now, Rich, who commented earlier, is bringing up a, a good point in that, well, what about truly dangerous people? Do judges 
have the ability to detain people who, for a variety of reasons, may be dangerous. You know, maybe they, they have a past record. Now, see, that's something that I think is worth discussing. But something to keep in mind with the bail reform law is that it doesn't apply to everything, right? So the bail, cash bail went away for a bunch of smaller crimes, again, small theft. Uh, but but the violent crimes, and I know some folks bring up the, the, the gun possession crime, but the, the, the truly violent crimes where someone is getting hurt, where it's a significant amount of money stolen, where, where someone is getting killed, cash bail is still applicable there. And judges can still deny bail in those situations too and detain someone that is truly dangerous. They just can't do it under the law right now if someone is caught stealing a bike or something, right? So they can't say, well, you're dangerous and you might go on a bike stealing spree. Like we're going to hold you indefinitely uh, until your trial, it, which especially now, especially the last couple of years, trials can take a long time. The court system is trying to adapt to uh, catching up on cases because of COVID, because of, of being shut down for a while. So it's trying to, to, to get these, uh, these cases through. But there, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and, and so what I, what I want to discuss for the, the rest of this time is, well, what does the data actually say? Is there a rise in crime in New York specifically that's related to bail reform? And then what are some other options to, to learn from this situation, to improve from it, and to make sure that our justice system actually works for everybody. And I'd hope everyone listening today can can agree to that point, right? We want to make a justice system that makes sense and that you can't just get out or not get out based on the amount of money in your bank account. No, the, we, we want people either being detained or or free to go until trial based on how dangerous they are. or And you have to do so based on the presumption of innocence, right? And so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about... Again, whether or not people out on, on crimes that would have been available before are committing more crimes. If you have any thoughts on this, give us a call. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe. Safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovation should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585 200 3182. That's 585 200 3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wiltshire today. Thanks so much for joining us today. 
WYSL, WACK, a little bit later, and online, too. Appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all listening today. We're talking about bail reform to start out the show and just kind of laid out what bail's supposed to do, what the intent of the law is. We're going to talk about some data today. But first, we have a caller on the line, Keith from Rochester. Keith, what's on your mind, sir? Yes, sir. Uh, Right up front, Mr. Wilson, you're a nice guy, but I'm going to get to the heart of the matter, and that is the uh, racial component. We have a supermajority in Albany, uh, supermajority Democrats representing large non-white populations in the New York City area. I want to be intelligent on this so that no one comes back at me, Keith, uh, saying, oh, you're racist. So I really up front prefacing this, I want to talk intelligent here. If I were to say to that super majority of legislators, especially the non-whites, African-American, since uh, uh, per capita-wise, it's uh, black males who are involved in the corrections system, I would ask non-white Democrats who are passing what they perceive as bail reform because they're concerned concerned about perceived racial uh, inequalities and equities from the past, I would ask them the big question, when you return these criminals to their neighborhoods, they're basically going back to non-white neighborhoods where fellow non-whites live. So do the non-white Democrats who completely control Albany do they want to feel good about themselves that they're giving the non-white criminal the benefit of the doubt, but, and it's a big but, at the same time exposing majority non-white neighborhoods to the, to the re-entrance, and here goes everyone, the re-entrance of the black male criminal. That right there is the heart, everyone. We have to acknowledge that the black male is involved in the criminal justice system more than any other group, the black male category. We all understand, in closing on my part, that there are those racial injustices from the past, but to those supermajority non-white Democrats who control Albany, you are putting your own neighborhoods at risk. If you really care about your fellow African Americans, are you going to expose them to black criminals re-entering those majority non-white neighborhoods. All right. So, Keith, I, I want to, first of all, re- rephrase your point nicely. Second of all, I, you know, let, let's acknowledge that not all crime is committed by black males. Like, that's just a fact. I mean, statistically, it's it's the more people, more white people are committing crimes. It's 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 that's what it is. Right. Like, it's. Not a let, let's. I don't. I didn't even want to make this a racial thing because I, I'm. I'm actually talking about this more in terms of class issues. But but let me let me try to to understand your point because it is something that is worth bringing up. Right, that many of the neighborhoods that are most impacted by violence by high levels of crime uh, are low income neighborhoods, particularly African American and in other minority neighborhoods. Right, so that's. That is true, and that's that is why many of these areas have mixed feelings about police reform. And this is somewhat distinct from bail reform, but mixed feelings about police reform because in some ways they want more police resources to take care of the violent elements that live in some of those neighborhoods. In other ways, they're like, well, sometimes police end up 
entering situations and causing some problems and hurting people. So there's there's a, a complicated set of politics that I think is worth talking about. And I think that's the point you're trying to make here. But setting that aside for a second, we'll just talk about the, the bail reform element. Keith, is it appropriate for someone who is potentially violent to get out if no. they're able if they have enough money to do so because that's that's what the cash bail system too so is it is it fine if someone has enough money to be able to go to go out no, and if they don't have enough money is that fine no, for them to stay not, in prison but, uh, no, it's not, but that's the, the system. If you are rich, if you are truly padded in the wallet, you get better justice because you can hire the better attorney. Let me make the analogy with crime to welfare. Let me just turn to the, the bail system, right? Again, if you, you have no money, you commit a small crime prior to the 2019 bail reform, you wouldn't, you'd be held in detention because you don't have the funds to pay for that bail. You, you could potentially be. You're a wealthy person and you commit a petty crime, they usually ask what your relation is, your stability to your community. If you are a good citizen who has money and you are deemed to be enough of a pillar of the community, you're probably going to be cut loose. If you are of a lower strata in society with uh, uh, someone who only has a... uh, a public defender, you're probably going to have a harder case to the judge that I, whomever of lower strata, am a safe risk to let go. So yes, we have. I mean, to is, it, is it does that seem right to you? Because like, what if I I just don't? What if you're some 17 year old kid who you know doesn't know how to go? His family doesn't know how to get a good lawyer who's accused of a crime you didn't actually do, and because like you don't have community connections, you might end up in detention for weeks. Uh, is that right? Well, you gave the answer. It's young people. It's going to be a 17-year-old who does the crime, or probably not a 37-year-old. Now, just this morning in the Either news, way. Pardon me? Either way, it doesn't, it doesn't make it right in any situation. A 17-year-old, a, a 35-year-old, like whatever. Like, is, um, is that right for someone to sit in detention because they couldn't make bail? Well, but when you return the 17-year-old, the younger person, and it's the young, everyone, who does the crime. But do you don't you... know that. You don't know that they are actually guilty of that crime. They have to be proven guilty in a court of law. You don't know it yet. Uh, when, when, when they are arraigned, uh, the prosecutor presents the evidence. But you have to answer, Mr. Wilson, on your end. Do you want a violent, vicious 17-year-old? I don't know that the... they're violent. Well... I, I guess that's where reality and having common sense and being a judge sitting on the bench, uh, that's where, why a judge has to determine. That's what they get paid, that they balance the scales. If you're asking me, I always rule in favor of public safety. I'm not going to return a 17-year-old punk to the streets because, oh, he's on the younger side and we should be terrible. So, so listen, Keith, even if that 17-year-old is actually completely innocent, that they did nothing wrong, that they were accused of a crime that they did not in fact commit, you would err on the side of locking that 17-year-old up for weeks or for months because like maybe, maybe they could commit an act of violence in the future. But you don't know that. You're okay with that system. Uh, 
uh, you keep wanting to make it a minor crime. What happens if, well, we're approaching, uh, as they had on the news, the one-year anniversary of the man who uh, was hot, uh, carjacked and a 71-year-old man who was gunned to death by these teenagers. I do believe, sir, those teenagers are still being held a year later. Uh, that yeah, they they were can given- be. Because that's not what bail reform addresses, which is the topic of this show. If someone commits a violent crime, they are still eligible for bail or eligible for, you know, like other forms of ensuring that they get back to court where the court has to prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are guilty of committing a crime. All right, and so there are things like ankle bracelets. There are things well, like, you know, it could be appearance tickets. It could be cash bail. It could be any number of other things because the cash bail reform laws of 2019 do not apply to those specific violent crimes. All right. Before we run out of time here, Hochul is having to bring this up again because she's getting political pressure. There is rising crime, has been right along throughout the state. Why would a good Democrat like Hochul feel the need to backpedal unless she is starting to be more clear-sighted and more balanced in her evaluation that crime in the Empire State is getting out of hand and that even a good Democrat like her, the Dems who are notoriously soft on crime, she's having to come back with a harder uh, uh, litmus test to uh, determine whether someone is held. So you, Mr. Wilson, have to go to the Dems and ask them, why are you feeling the need to review bail reform? Because it's becoming painfully obvious to many good Democrats there is rising crime in the state, and our party, which controls Albany, had better do something about it. That's the crux of the question, sir. Yeah, it is a great question to ask. And I have a theory, and my theory is that Democrats are cowards. They uh, are assuming that this is what the voters want, and it feels like an easy fix because that's what people assume that the source of the problem is. They assume that the source of the problem is the bail reform law and not any number of other factors that contributed to rising crime, not just in New York, but in many, many other places around the country too, who most of whom did not enact any sort of bail reform within the last couple of years. Well, so we have- I, I, I'm going to be honest with you before the time runs out here. I think uh, like many, and I'm going to be blunt, many uh, white people, you want to evade the racial question. It's like welfare. White people have always been on the welfare and the dole in larger numbers than black people. Always, every last year, there are more whites on welfare. But when it comes to percentages and per capita, black people outnumber percentages when it comes in the larger numbers for them. Crime affects the black neighborhood. We're we're, we're coming up on break. Uh, Thank you for calling in. Uh, You've certainly made this segment interesting and given us a lot to think about. Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes with more on A Free Solution. Give us a call if you want to call in like Keith did, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back on A Free Solution in just a few minutes.
available in the WYSL store at WYSL1040.com, the official Mount Worstmore line of merchandise. Top quality tees, hoodies, and coffee mugs depicting Mount Rushmore style are for worst presidents. Of course, you know who's front and center up on that mountain, and we think you'll recognize the other three. Mount Worstmore items make perfect gifts. They're a great way for you to make a personal statement. Mount Worstmore, locally produced and sold only in the WYSL store at WYSL1040.com. As a veteran of the United States military, I can finally get the opportunity to enjoy special events, things that we couldn't afford, thanks to VetTix. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can give our veterans a special event where they, too, can create their own cherished memories. Visit VetTix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. A free solution. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host today. Thanks again for joining us on this wonderful, wonderful Monday. Uh, we're live here on WYSL until 1 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Shout out down the line to our friends listening over at WACK and our friends listening online as well. A Free Solution Facebook page, a Free Solution YouTube channel, Free Solution group, and the Kevin Wilson pages wherever you are today. Thank you for being here. And today we're talking about bail reform. And uh, you know, I know this is, this is an issue. That gets people animated because, you know, on one side you got like, is this leading to a rise in violence in our communities? And that's terrifying. It is terrifying. And we want to make sure we get these policies as right as possible. On the other side, we have to respect the rights of people who are accused of crimes, who may have not actually done those crimes, who may not actually commit an act of violence ever in their life. And who may be held in order to preserve a sense of community safety. And we have to, to factor in the disruption, the injustice, the, the violence of throwing someone in a cage who may be innocent. We have to consider that part too. And that's, that's where a lot of my sympathy lies as well for both these communities and for the people who are accused of crime, who may be held and and put in prison, put in a dangerous situation, in jail, put in a dangerous situation, uh, and they couldn't get out because they just didn't have enough money. That didn't seem right to me. And so we got some folks like Kathy Hochul looking at, well, maybe we need to, to change this. And that, to me... This is my theory, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to prove this, but but to me, Kathy Hochul is in a way virtue signaling. She's trying to acknowledge the criticism of people worried that the bail reform laws were the source of the rising crimes in New York State by saying, well, well, we'll look at expanding the list of bailable crimes. But again, the point of bail is not to detain someone. It's to get them to show up to court. Bail is not. And should not ever be used to hold someone in detention. That's not the stated purpose of this. Bail is to get someone to show up to court. So if someone if, – if judges or, or the intention of the state were using bail to – using a, a 
monetary barrier to keep someone in prison, that would be unconstitutional. That would be a violation of the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it'd be. It'd be a violation of that individual's constitutional rights because you have to be proven guilty in the court of law. And we can't use bail as a a means to hold someone. It's a means to get someone to show up to court. So when we talk about the bail reform law, keep that in mind. That is like legally what is supposed to happen. So getting more people in jail, keeping them in jail longer before their trials, before they're proven guilty, just because they don't have money, doesn't. That's not how that system is supposed to work. It often is how it did work, but it's not how it's supposed to work. And just because you're rich does not mean you should be able to get away with it. So again, should we look at things like, again, that comment I got in in the first segment from Rich Patel? Should there be more ways for judges to be able to make determinations about whether or not someone is truly dangerous and there should be other reasons for them to be held? Yeah, maybe. You know, I'm, I'm open to that. Again, holding someone prior to a trial should be an extremely rare event, though. They have to be so extraordinarily dangerous that they cannot be safely released to the public. And it can't just be, well, this this person is, is young and is of a skin color I don't like, and that scares me, so I'm going to hold them. No, that that is nonsense. That is not what we do in a free country. That's not what we do here. It's not what we should do here. That's what often happens, but it's not what we should do here. No, it has to be – if there's you know, a mass murder or something, okay, yeah, you know, that's, that's the type of situation where you hold someone before trial. But in most instances, unless there's a flight later, unless there's, there's some reason that you need to hold someone, it should be very rare because that person deserves their day in court. They don't deserve punishment prior to be proven guilty. It's a constitutional system we have, and thank God we have that because that, that is far better than what happens in – Again, places like Russia where you can just be grabbed off the street, accused of opposing the government, and thrown in jail for 15 years or conscripted. My goodness. That's an ugly system. So let's talk about some of the, the actual data, right? So in our county, well, my county, Monroe County, uh, there have been in the since January 2020 all the way through June 30th, 2021. I'm going to share the link with this data. There were uh, – the thousands of people who were who were arraigned in court, uh, eight thousand four hundred and ninety-two criminal defendants. They arraigned in court. Twelve percent of those, one thousand thirty-five, were arrested on new charges awaiting trial. So a very small number of people were arrested on something else. Again, that's all charges. Of those twelve percent, uh, only one hundred and thirty-six of them were arrested on any sort of violent felony. So it's about 1.6% of the total. So again, of all those folks, 8,492 people, 136 of them, after being released, again, this is for any crime, were then re-arrested for a violent felony. So and I go, for those 136 people, that matters. It's, it's not great. But the majority of those people did not commit any other crimes. So should they have been held? Should we create a system in which they are held when accused of a crime before their trial? No, because the majority of the people, just they show up to their court date, they do their thing, they, they take their punishment, that's it. We can't create a system that, it, to create the illusion of safety, we hold people accused of crimes indefinitely. 
you don't want to live in a system like that. Conservatives don't want to live in a system like that. Imagine like if you could be accused of violating the SAFE Act. Ah, oh, well, you're always posting about your guns. You're making memes about guns. We're going to accuse you of a crime, and because we think you're dangerous, we're going to hold you in jail until like we, we, we can do a trial and, and try to prove your guilt. Would you think that's just? Do you think that would be right? Of course you don't. And I don't think the same thing should be happening to other folks because then the courts have to prove, the state, the government has to prove that you're actually guilty. So if you're in that situation, no, I don't, I don't think that you, you should be punished until the government can prove you've actually committed any sort of crime. And um, I think we should repeal the SAFE Act altogether, but same thing. And, and if they made arguments about, well, they could be dangerous, they are, after all, gun owners, no. No, no, that's not how this works. That's not how our system ought to work. That's not how our constitutional republic where we have liberty should work. But the state data across the state, Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse, it all kind of looks similar to that. That about 1.5 to 2% of people did end up going to commit violent crimes afterwards. But again, something to keep in mind with this is that even among all those folks, some of them could have gotten out on cash bail anyway. And, and often people did. You could get out on cash bail and go out and commit another crime. You know, you can get detained. You may lose that money, et cetera. But with cash bail, it could still happen. The only, the only thing that changed here is that the amount of money you have can't be used as a reason to detain you before your trial. And if you're, you're well enough to, to, to give that money over to someone or to get a bail bondsman who will back you, okay, you know, that's uh, – you're free to go until, you know, show up to court this day. So that that's what the data says, is that this made sense. And something else to keep in mind before we go to break, too, is that some of those folks who are accused of a crime, again, they're innocent. They, they, they went to an arraignment. They went to court. They got a trial. State couldn't prove that they were guilty. They were let go. And it would be. A massive, massive injustice if someone had to sit in a jail cell for however many weeks or months just to, to have it turn out that they didn't actually commit a crime. And, and you know, I ask listeners here today to just think about, like, does, is that just? Does that make sense? And so does this law make sense to make sure that more people sit in those jail cells until their trial? Would you want your family member to be sitting in a jail cell until a trial? And are there better ways to ensure that they are kept separate from community members so they could be dangerous or, or they are you know, monitored or something? Is there a different way to do this than just cash bail? And I think that's the system that we started to do. And again, I, sorry, I know, I know, I know some folks ain't going to lie. I, I think this is a good law. I think this is the, the, one of the biggest advancements in liberty that New York State has done in a while. It's one of the few good things that have happened in the last few years in New York State, and I don't want to see it pulled back, not by Republicans, not by cynical Democrats who think they can just tweak one thing and they'll get them popular enough to, to not lose any more seats. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not that we can't fix some things about it, but overall, I think this is the right direction. This is where I hope the state keeps going is that to make sure that our rights, everyone's, it's not just about – People of color, but everyone's rights are protected. You know, I got, I got a flag behind me that says, don't tread on anyone. That's, that's what it is. Don't tread on anyone. Protect the constitutional rights of every single New Yorker, 
And that's one of the few things that Democrats get right. All right. So when we come back, though, we'll, we'll keep talking about I'll wrap up any other points of this and I'll see if I can get to I want to talk about some of the Hunter Biden stuff. We'll see if I get to that. Thanks again for joining us on Free Solution. If you want to call in, give us a call 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000 or leave your comment online. We'll be back with more on a Free Solution in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. A free solution. All right. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson. Today, thanks again for joining us. We're talking about uh, bail reform today. You know, and I want to make you know, just, just one last point on this. And that's it. Again, that the people going around saying folks are literally getting killed over the bail reform law, like in, in Monroe County at least, not a single person who has been charged accused of a crime and not held and then released has been accused of committing the second crime of, of manslaughter or murder it hasn't happened yet so like literally no one has gotten killed over this that's that's a lie it's just not true and i know in and i've seen folks who are who are posted law say things like well we're just not collecting the data on it i'm like well you don't know that well i'm supposed to just like trust that that you feel that this is true no, I'm going to I'm going to look at the data. Again, I'm I'm open to changing my mind on these things when when I see the data on this because I've changed my mind. It's, I used to feel differently about this issue. And but the data and my position on constitutional rights sounds this is a good thing. We shouldn't get rid of it. Sounds like we got a caller on the line though. John from Rochester. John, what's on your mind? Hey, Kevin. Yeah, you bring up some good points uh regarding bail bail reform uh just use the January 6th uh, rioters as an example. Yeah. Those four guys and women, uh, I mean, it's like Russia in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, the discretion that these judges, or lack of discretion that these judges use to keep these guys and ladies uh, in jail for that long period, it's unbelievable. But, you know, I was surprised. I think you mentioned 12% of of uh, offenders have been rearrested for other crimes. I just wonder how many crimes they committed. Uh, the people that didn't get arrest, rearrested, how many crimes they they committed but didn't get caught. I mean, that's that's a fair question. I, I don't know the answer to that. You yeah. know, and that's that's something like as we continue to look at the impact of this, like we we should see, like, well, what what 
crimes are reported that we don't solve because a lot of crimes are reported that we nothing happens to them, right? And I, I've never had any crime that I've ever reported actually get solved as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Stuff that's bricks thrown through my window, bikes stolen, that, no, nothing's ever gotten solved. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it is a fair that, question to ask. That'd be interesting to, to see because I know uh, when, regardless of the crime, or, or, or whether it's robbery or shoplifting or whatever, uh, uh, the people that do get arrested for these specific crimes, who knows how many crimes they committed similar to that before they got caught. I, and, and some of these uh, criminals, they're pretty smart. <laughs> they get away with a lot. But anyway, that would be a great... Yeah great thing to, to, to revisit to see what the stats are on that. But, you know, one of, the, one of the issues, too, is the lack of respect that the police get today versus 10 years ago or 20 years ago, I think has a lot to do with it, too. I think uh, people are more emboldened to diss the police. And re- minor stuff, uh, I see it every day here downtown where uh, panhandlers get in the traffic right near our building, as an example. Before the Bail Reform Act, uh, the police told me uh, before, I think it took effect January 1st, 2020, because uh, we had a lot of problems around our building here, and yeah. they used to be able to come out, and uh, if the guy was a frequent violator of getting into this traffic, they would actually uh, pat him down and you know, empty his pockets and kind of put him through that embarrassment uh, and that that helped now they don't do that and uh, I so so these panhandlers have less respect for the police and they just keep coming back the police will chase them away they just keep coming back because there's no there's nothing to stop them from coming back the police really have their hands tied, and, and the police just warn me about that now that's a minor minor issue minor crime if yeah. you want to even call it a crime, but well, no, I mean, like it's a thing, right? You know, again, I, I frequent downtown. I used to live over by Monroe Ave, where like that's has been a problem. That sometimes in the past too, you get really aggressive panhandlers, and even when police try to do something about it, and it's it's tough. Or again, yet does it again? This is slightly different from the cash bail issue, right? Like again, you don't want someone in jail just because right. of that. But if you have someone repeating doing a crime, harassing people, sometimes getting aggressive with folks, which some of these these mostly guys are, then then what do you do about it? And again, that's a problem that the community does need to solve. Uh, and, and I'm not going to pretend that I, I fully know the answer to that one because it, it it's a quality of life issue. If you, you're, you're scared to go walk down the street because people are going to like harass you like in, in a very aggressive way and, and some of these folks really are aggressive, that's, that's a problem and, and something police and neighbors should work together to solve. And then... And then- you know, you've got a lack of respect for the police, but in, and then on the on the reverse, 180 degrees, uh, on the reverse side, you have the police. They're not going to work as hard because they're they're uh, especially on serious crimes. Uh, they're going to be very uh, hesitant to make arrests because of some of the consequences that could happen to them. Re- you know, resistance. What do they do when somebody resists? They're restrained from now putting a chokehold on somebody, uh, certain types of chokeholds. And I'll tell you, if, if, and I've, I've, over the years, I've gotten some confrontations, not recently, thank God. And, man, when you're in a scrap, uh, you're, you're fighting for 
kind of fighting for your life a lot of times. You'll do anything to restrain the other person who's mm -hmm. uh, being physical with you. So the police, I think, uh, take a hands-off approach now today versus what they did 10 years ago, and it, that contributes to uh, the increased crime also. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the solution to that, and I know some of the folks on the on the left end up don't they end up not liking this, but it's like it's it's better police training, right? It's like knowing ways to de-escalate, knowing ways to escalate physical force in 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 a um, in a way that's not likely to unnecessarily harm someone that you're bringing into your detention, right? Because we don't want someone to, to harm someone they don't have to. We understand that there's situations where that's going to happen because. You know they they are are violent, trying to hurt the police officer, things like that. But better training to figure out, you know, not needing uh, the chokeholds, which are now made illegal. There there are other ways to restrain folks. You know, particularly when it comes to like you know like young children. Like there's that case last year of like the little girl getting like pepper sprayed. And, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, man, that's totally unnecessary. That did not need to happen. Um, and and so I don't know that that's that's kind of. What I I think I would like to see out of that, what the at least the city of Rochester had kind of attempt to do in some ways, is is better training in situations like that. Because uh, I think most police officers they're 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 looking to, they're gonna try to get the bad guys off the street the best way they can. They, they don't want to hurt people for the most part. You know, I'm sure there's some bad ones out there, but uh, they're just trying to keep the streets safe. And for someone who's having a mental health crisis or is just being out of control, it's just, okay, get the situation under control, move on. All right, anything else to, to add, John, before we go, if you're still yeah, on? I was gonna, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to mention uh, the, po the police, uh, I'll tell you, I, I think that's a big part of it. They're, they're going to avoid confrontation as much as possible because some of these people, uh, whether regardless of their race, are pretty strong people. And uh, Yeah. You're going to try to avoid getting into a scrape with, scrap with them because they're going to put a choke. You might need the chokehold to restrain them. All right. Well, appreciate the call, John. We're out of time now. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to A Free Solution. Uh, Larry Sharp will be in tomorrow. I will be in later this week. Talk to you then.